0: XFM Pittsburgh. Break the wall! Break, Break down the walls!
1: Football jump! Watch the world, Ron Cook, the columnist, really came down hard on Phil Kessel in today's post-gazette. I don't get it. Kessel didn't play well in game one and played just 16 minutes, which is a little less time than he usually gets. Uh, Kessel played just 50 seconds in the game's final seven and one half minutes, but That's just one game. Cook called it, quote, another bad performance, unquote. I disagree with the use of the word another, and so do Kessel's numbers. Kessel has seven goals and 19 points in 20 games. He ranks third in playoff scoring. Cook made a big deal out of Kessel only having two goals and eight points and even strength, but power play goals count, too. They go up on the scoreboard, too. Do I think Kessel needs to shoot more? Yes. Do I think his reinvention as a playmaker is a bad idea? Yes. Do I think he's worthy of blanket criticism after one bad game, a game the Penguins won? No, I do not. And then it hit me. Ron Cook just went after the easy target. It's always okay to pick on the fat guy. Hey, Ron Cook, guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Merz Plumbing, Count on a name you can trust, 412-333, oops that's the wrong number, 412 is the number to call for all your plumbing, heating and air conditioning needs. Uh, hey, I'm a Ron Cook fan, big time, but that was an easy target type of column, very reminiscent honestly of the way they covered Phil Kessel in Toronto, Phil is what he is and if he shoots more, a lot of problems will take care of themselves. Now, that said, and I hate to talk about what might happen at season's end, but don't be surprised in the offseason if Kessel gets shopped around. That would be tough to do if the Penguins win another Stanley Cup, but he's tough on the coaches. The players love him, and he doesn't scrap with the coaches. There's no open animosity, but you don't really coach Phil. You don't get to. Phil plays like Phil plays. If you tell him to shoot more... And Mike Sullivan has. Phil might not. Phil Kessel just does what he does. We got Dejan Kovacevic at the bottom of the hour from DKPittsburghSports.com. I keep seeing Pittsburgh as a definite favorite, and and let me keep it simple, in case any Nashville fans or media are listening. Uh, Pittsburgh has Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin to Phil Kessel, and Nashville does not. Nashville has a good defense, but they're not Orr, Harvey, Lidstrom, and Shore. Their top four defensemen, in fact, were a combined minus four in Monday's loss. Nashville's D didn't lose the game, but they didn't win the game either. Game two was mega crucial for Nashville. If Pittsburgh gets up two games to none, this could be a quick series. And never mind the Nashville defense. What about the Nashville forwards? Their bottom six got more going on Monday, than their top six did, and Nashville only scored one even-strength goal. Now, the power play goals count as well, but if Cole and Malkin don't take those ill-advised penalties and give Nashville those two power plays, both of which wound up behind Matt Murray, then despite Pittsburgh not getting a shot for 37 minutes, maybe winning that game Monday looks a lot more routine than certainly it turned out. So I just like Pittsburgh to win tonight, and if they do, I think excrement will start rolling downhill in a hurry for the Nashville Predators because we need to remember they were the 16th seed. They were a 500 team, 41 wins, 41 losses, and they've never been in the final before. Uh, this is seen as a matchup between the hungry team and the experienced team. Pittsburgh's just as hungry as Nashville, hungry to win a second straight cup, first time it's happened since 98, if it does happen, hungry to win a consecutive cup for the first time in the salary cap era, hungry to make history, and just hungry period, Uh, to say Nashville is hungrier than Pittsburgh, that's just lunacy, it's an assumption, and it's a way to try to make this series even-steven, when on paper... And looking at the standings, in every which way you can evaluate this matchup, it is not. It is definitely not even. Curious to see if the Penguins make any changes tonight. Not in the lineup, although I would put Haglund in for Rowney, but I'm told, uh, just told recently in fact, in the last hour, that's probably not going to happen. I am curious to see, despite me thinking Cook was a little bit overly critical, if Phil Kessel improves on his game from Monday, if he gets more shots than he did on Monday. Then again, the Penguins as a team need to get more shots than they did on Monday. Think about this. They got 12 shots, right? Credited with 12 shots on goal. One of the shots was through an empty net by Nick Bonino. Benino's other goal hit Pecorine... And it was like kind of a, a shot pass, a, a pass-off badge, rather. It hit Pecorine, bounced in front, and bounced off Ekholm, and went to the net. The Penguins got credited for two shots on that own goal. So of their 12 shots, I just named three that weren't really shots. But again, I don't think they'll play that bad. I guarantee they'll get more than 12 shots tonight. Uh, I feel like the Penguins going to bring the puck up the rink in the middle more. I talked about this yesterday, had a chance to watch the game for a second time. Nashville did a terrific job sealing off the wall on both sides of the rink. And uh, Yesterday, we were talking about how the Penguins defenseman being not, you know, the puck movers, Latang is, you know, they're going to go up the board. That's the safety valve because if you make a mistake, you never make a mistake that's too bad. But uh, Schultz and Daly in particular have to use the middle of the rink more. And I think Crosby and Malkin at center have to lug the puck up the rink through the middle a little bit more. And I really do expect to see uh, more of that tonight. 412 333 this is the Mark Madden Show. I'm live in Buford's on 5th Avenue. Stop on by, it's the best pregame party for the Penguin game. Get uh, Bud Light and Coors Light 60-ounce aluminum bottles for just 4 bucks here at Buford's. On the Super Genius, you're listening to Home of the Penguins, 105.9.
0: And now the Super Genius, Mark Madden.
1: Hey, Mark. I'm super excited to be calling you right now. He's brittle. He's a mind. He's not an R. He's a brain. He's not a body. The X at 105.9. The Steelers' OTAs resume soon. And uh, it looks like Le'Veon Bell's not going to show up again. Now, Le'Veon Bell can't work out because he's coming off a groin injury. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. Uh, It would be good if he was there just to be with his teammates and maybe absorb some knowledge. But I don't blame him one bit. Doesn't have a contract. He has the franchise tag, but he wants a multi-year deal. Showing up for work when you don't need to show up for work, when you want to get more from your bosses, doesn't do you any good. Uh, That team stuff, it takes a backseat to that financial stuff. So I disagree with Le'Veon Bell on a lot of things, but I don't disagree with him not showing up for OTAs. Uh, LeBron James owns several homes, and he owns one in Brentwood, California, a site of the O.J. Simpson murders, and his uh, house there was vandalized uh, with a racial slur. It was uh, spray-painted on the front gate. And LeBron said, and people are pulling this quote, LeBron said, today, being black in America is tough. And that's going to give everybody an excuse to say, well, it's not tough for you, you make millions, but it is tough. And the fact that LeBron had a racial slur spray-painted on the gate Of one of his residences where his family sometimes resides that shows that being black in America is tough no matter how much money you make now I'm sure this will get spun in a way that blames it on Trump and I'm not a Trump supporter but I'm not a supporter of those who defame Trump at every turn and uh, this has been happening dating back hundreds and hundreds of years here in America it happened during the Obama presidency. A-, a black man in the White House, had happened. It happened all the time, and it happens all the time, and it's going to be tough to ever fix. Although I thought when uh, Kathy Griffin held that severed, uh, uh, simulated Donald Trump head, I-, I thought that came close to solving all of America's problems. It definitely solved one of America's problems. Now we don't have to see or hear Kathy Griffin anymore, because she's getting fired from every place, as she should... If indeed we're going to adhere to the dictum of PC America all the time. I'm actually glad she got uh, the bad end of that because, you know, if you can decapitate the president, metaphorically speaking, then you're playing that card selectively, the PC thing. You know what Kathy Griffin's biggest sin is? Not holding a severed head of Trump up. Kathy Griffin stopped being funny decades ago. So, I'm glad to see you go. Was that a Ramon song? I think it was. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Pens and Preds tonight. Game two at PPG Paints Arena. I am definitely fired up. I want to see how the Penguins adjust their attack. We've been talking about that. I want to see what the Penguins do in the breakout. I thought they tried too many stretch passes on Monday. I know you're trying to get the puck behind the Nashville defense, but that tip dump wasn't working. I'd like to see a little more station to station. Will that work? I don't know. But I know the tip dump didn't. Uh, I feel very comfortable if Sid and Gino and Benino have to tote the puck through the center of the rink a little more. But let's see what Mike Sullivan tries. Whatever he tries will be... Uh, Well thought out, well planned. I was kind of amused to hear that the Penguins only watched video of game one for 20 minutes. But you know what? That was an absolutely disastrous game one. I think the the problems were pretty evident and pretty repetitive. So watching it for any more of that would have come off as punishment detail. So I think Mike Sullivan, uh, again, made the right decision in that case. Up next... We got Dejon Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com should be an excellent uh, segment of Hockey Talk. We'll get to your call sometime in the next week or two, but Dejon's going to come up next. Uh, I think all the usual cliches apply tonight. First goal's big, leading after two periods is big. And I think having won the first game is big because if you win the first game, you win the Stanley Cup Final. 78% of the time. Again, I'm harping on this. I'm just beating it to death, but anybody who thinks this is an even series, I'm afraid I've gulped some bad news. Days on up next, 105.9.
0: It's Sydney Crosby, and you're listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 DX.
1: Joining me now from DKPittsburghSports.com, he is the constructor and conductor. It's Serbian reactionary day on Kovacevic. Day on. Uh, Will the Penguins get more than 12 shots on goal
0: tonight? (laughs) I'd say that's a pretty safe bet, Mark. Uh, The question is, you know, what kind of shots are they going to get? Are they going to generate traffic? It's it's one thing to look at the number of shots that they had and another to consider that all they did when they got into the Nashville zone more often than not was swing wide and stay wide. Um, I think there are different guys that are capable and willing of going in more of a straight line to the net uh, and making sure that it's not just about, when we talk about that screening the goaltender or making life difficult for the goaltender, Pecorino's life is pretty miserable when he faces the Penguins under any circumstance. I think it's much more about making sure that those lanes get opened up by having a hard center drive.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I also think if they do penetrate on the boards, which Nashville kept them from doing uh, with any efficiency over the course of 60 minutes Monday. I think they need to not make a play up high and go down low with it. I think just as crucial was getting shots tonight, Dayon, the Penguins need more offensive zone time.
0: They do. You know what's funny is Scott Wilson was saying today that in their study of game one that the Penguins had more zone time than Nashville, which you'd never conceive of. Uh, I assume that that's something that was based on a real figure, a real uh, – Uh, study, like I said, of of the actual game. What they didn't do, and this is a great point that you made, is penetrate down the boards and make sure that they're pinning Nashville's defensemen down deep. That's what Anaheim did, and Anaheim did it very effectively. Even a couple of the Predators before Game 1 were telling me that they were concerned about the amount of time that their defensemen had to face uh, with their backs to the play. They don't want to do that. Well, Trevor Daly was telling me that the, the... The way Nashville uh, pressured at both ends reminded him more of Columbus than of anybody else that the Penguins have played. You'll remember that the Blue Jackets were really, really good along the boards, uh, especially when the Penguins were just trying to go north-south. That's why Mike Sullivan, Rick Tockett, and Jacques Martin have been stressing above and beyond everything else, putting the puck into an open space and going for it there instead of just trying to plow through everybody.
1: Was Pittsburgh surprised by Nashville's quickness on Monday uh, after having played Ottawa, which played such a a heavy style, and do you think they'll bounce back and perform better against it tonight?
0: Well, if you combine quickness, and I assume you are, with aggressiveness, yeah, there's no question they were thrown off by it. Um, They talked repeatedly about the Predators being in their face. You heard that term a lot, and it was at all points of the rink. If you remember game one of the Ottawa series the Penguins were thrown off by the exact opposite. They would turn around, they would look up ice, and there were the Senators skating backwards. They had to adjust to that. It didn't happen right away. They ha- now have to adjust back after a seven-game series of dealing with the other thing, and they clearly didn't do that particularly well in Game 1. I think they're going to be a lot better in that regard tonight. And, yeah, I do think they're going to take Game 2. I, you know, the funny thing is, Mark, we talk about Mike Sullivan's and Matt Murray's and everybody's records in the playoffs after a loss, I really believe that's how they're approaching this game. Like, as if they're coming back after a loss because of how poorly they played. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think they appreciate the win, but understand they
1: need to play better. And that's good because the Penguins under Sullivan always bounce back strong after a loss. Now, speaking of bouncing back, uh, that goal to win the game was quite a shot
0: and quite a statement by Jake Gensel, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, he he stepped into Ryan Ellis after taking a, really, it's something that's gotten kind of lost in this goal because you don't see it on most of the highlights Was the wonderful pass that Matt Cullen made off the right boards uh, to spring him in full stride. Not the easiest pass to make, not the easiest pass to catch, for that matter, going as quickly as he was right close to Matt Cullen. Uh, He gets it in stride, he crosses the blue line, he sees Ryan Ellis skates up, and Ellis did something really weird where he raised his right arm to his defense partner as if he was supposed to pick up somebody else. We did a wide pan on the goal. There was nobody else in the picture. Uh, So I have no idea what Ellis was thinking in that situation. But Gensel goes right up into him shoots it through uh, something of a screen. Bottom line, though, you know, your franchise goaltender has to stop that. And uh, looking at it from the Nashville perspective, you know, going 37 minutes and 9 seconds without giving up a shot, and the first one goes in, and it's from distance, That that's not a good look.
1: No, I, I totally agree with that. Even if it is a good shot, which it was, mm-hmm. you still got to stop it when it's tied, and it's the first shot in 37 minutes, and you're that guy. Now, staying with Pika Rene, why can't he beat Pittsburgh? Because his record, those numbers, uh, that's not the smallest sample ever, Dejan. Those numbers aren't
0: lying, are they? No, they're not. You're talking about nine games. That he's played against the Penguins in his career, he's won one of them,
1: and that was uh, in relief. And,
0: yeah, and so you're you're talking about something that's significant there. Whenever we're going back over guys like, remember we had similar conversations about Sergei Bobrovsky to a lesser extent, Braden Holtby, uh, where sometimes you have someone's number, sometimes it's just because you got them spooked, other times it's because they don't they're they're not the type of goaltender that matches up with you well. However, the Penguins always handled big goalies. They've done really well against them. The reason is they're an east-west team. Uh, and if you're going against a goalie who's not an east-west goalie, uh, you're going to have some success. I, I think in particular it's a Connor Sheary's goal. Not that I'm going to blame that one on Rene, but I think uh, that that's more uh, accentuating how good the Penguins are at being east-west when they're on top of their game. That can throw a goalie off because he's always wondering about that other thing that he has to do instead of making the save that's right in front of him. There's no doubt in my mind that Pecorino is not a good matchup uh, on the Nashville end for facing Pittsburgh.
1: Now, let's say Rene blows up again tonight and they're down two games to none. Should Peter Laviolette consider making a goalie change and going to Saros? (laughs) I was surprised you you knew his name. Did you look it up? I did. (laughs) <laughs>
0: See what I mean? So
1: the answer is no. He, he owns That's Saros Candies in, in Cannonsburg.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, um, I, I will say that, and I said this before the series, that I think we were underestimating the fact that the Penguins going into the Stanley Cup final with the two goaltenders that they have is a significant advantage. Uh, Nashville experienced that to their benefit in the Western Conference final when John Gibson, the uh, the, the Whitehall native, uh, with anaheim couldn't play and they ended up having to stick with jonathan bernier toronto reject out there and it didn't go well at all for the ducks uh, it's a real advantage uh, let's not pretend that we weren't thinking about that when matt murray went down there in game one after that unfortunate collision with the pipe you're thinking okay if he goes out i mean that's too bad but you still have mark andre Fleury, you can put out there if renee doesn't go well for nashville they're just doomed we're talking to Dejan Kovacevic from
1: DKPittsburghSports.com. DK brought to you by Matthews Wall Anchor Service. We'll get you out of the fix you're in. Visit wallanchor.com. Uh, Dejan, uh, people talk at length about how great Nashville's defensive core is. How good are their forwards? How much faith do you have in them? Because when the Penguins were not getting any shots for 37 minutes, honestly, the Nashville forwards really didn't do very much to take advantage.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that also got a little bit lost from game one. It's not that Nashville was dominating the Penguins as much as the Penguins just weren't playing well. Uh, if you're dominating somebody, then you're not just suppressing shots, you're also generating some. You're generating something off of uh, the counterattack or your zone time or whatever, and they really didn't do that. When you look at Nashville's forwards, the two that kind of jump off, not kind of, that do jump off the rink at you in terms of talent or, or the obvious ones, Philip Forsberg and James Neal. Uh, otherwise, you're not seeing a whole lot. You're not looking at guys who you feel like are threats. I would actually go so far as to compare Ottawa's group favorably over Nashville's in, in that sense. I think the Senators had more guys who were legit threats to score on high-quality shots, even if it was someone like a Mike Hoffman who's you know not necessarily a first-liner but has a great shot. I didn't get that sense from the Senators at all. I didn't look at them when they came down the rink and thought, boy, here comes a threatening situation. Um, Again, not a great matchup situation for Nashville. The Penguins, in the reverse, are going to bury their shots.
1: Uh, Do you expect any changes by the Penguins tonight in terms of uh, anybody in or out of the lineup
0: or any different line combinations? I had, but I don't anymore. I I, I really thought that there was a chance that Carl Hagelin would get back in. Now it doesn't look that way. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by that, but I know better than to question this coach who's never wrong about anything, certainly not after a bad performance. Uh, I think they could use someone like Hagelin when you're talking about putting the puck into open spaces and going and getting it. Uh, He's Obviously, he's excellent at that, even if he's not a great hands guy. But it doesn't sound like anything's going to change. You know, the other guy, and I know this is kind of anathema to even bring this up because you know of the great story and everything. But Ron Hainsey did not have a good game one, and I'm not suggesting that Chad Ruedel is like the answer to anything in particular. But Ruweedle does have the mobility, uh, does have the, uh, does have the skill to make a good breakout pass, which was another big shortcoming for the Penguins, particularly defensively, in game one. So I would think that, if nothing else, that, that Hainsey needs to have a pretty good game, too, in order to stay in the lineup. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I,
1: I wouldn't take uh, Hainsey out just yet, because right. uh has bounced back from subpar games before in these playoffs. Not that he's been subpar often, but I'm expecting a good effort from him tonight. Uh, there was some media criticism of Gino. excuse me, not Gino, but Phil Kessel, Uh, Playing a a subpar game in Game One, I don't know. I think Phil plays the same game just about every night. And some nights he gets points, and some nights he doesn't.
0: That's probably it. I mean he he didn't battle for the puck. Uh, And Mike Sullivan, you know, in 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 pretty much those terms, came out and said that this morning. He he wants to see more of a well. Now, don't get me wrong, Dayan. He only played like the one
1: shift in the last what was it, eight minutes or so. But that's okay because that's when you don't play Phil if the game's. You know, tight, he's not playing very well. But I think he could conquer a, a lot of the criti- critics by just shooting more. Because well, he, seems a, to have, yeah. he seems to have reinvented himself as a playmaker this year, and I don't get that.
0: Well, I, I think I do. I, I mean, I, I think it goes back to the beginning of the season when he was put together with Gino and he was piling up all kinds of assists. And he started to feel kind of comfortable in that role. And then on top of that, you put him on that half ball on the power play where he's basically... Uh, not much more than a playmaker from that spot. So I think he's very much gotten that ingrained in his head that he's you know and he is obviously a really good passer. No question. But, but when Phil Kessel is at his most valuable to your team is when he's shooting and, and when he's uh, bearing down, uh, not just on the boards and not the other places that we talk about, but also bearing down on the net when he's hungry for goals, that's when he's at his best. That's when he makes his biggest impact. Uh, I'd be really surprised if the coaching staff wasn't in his ear in that regard leading into Game 2. You know which version of Phil they need tonight is that one that was flipping out. Remember? <laughs> <In the last laughs> <series. That's laughs> right, right, Game Whatever 2 of the Ottawa Series. Coach- yeah, that that said, people-
1: Dejan, I, I would get in Phil's ear because that's what coaches do, but I think you just have to kind of let him play even as you make suggestions because more often than not he comes good and does what
0: you need. Yeah, I mean, he's a shooter. I mean, this is like... Um, you can draw a basketball comparison. You're not going to go, you know, freaking out on your hot shooting point guard. You just know that he's a shooter. Get him the ball. Well, in in this case, make sure that Phil's got the puck and make sure that he understands that his first priority is to shoot it. How important is game two, Dejon, and who do you think is going to win it tonight? I think the Penguins are going to win I do think it's important. I I don't think you want to give Nashville a continuation of whatever good feeling they might have had from game one. Uh, I think you want to make sure that they understand that game one was more about the Penguins being flat and dead and whatever else was wrong with them than it was about the Predators doing something magnificent. Uh, That's important going into that place because even if the Predators are down two games to none, uh, the Bridgestone Arena is going to be just insane. It's going to be a very different atmosphere. Not that the Penguins can't handle that. You can handle game seven in Washington. You can pull off anything. But it's, it's definitely going to be a factor. I do think it's important. I do. Well, yeah, but Dejan and, and I think of the Penguins tonight, that
1: excrement rolls downhill in a hurry for the Nashville Predators. And I keep hearing about their home ice advantage, Dajon. They were just 24-17 and 17 at home. I
0: mean, now, that's you know not... what? We can, here's, here's the, we can do regular season stuff endlessly as it relates to them. I don't even think a lot of people, Mark, realize that the Senators, senators finished 12th overall in the league in the regular season, and the Predators finished 16th. The East, Predators wouldn't even have qualified for the playoffs. Not even close, actually, if they were in the Eastern Conference. But because they make it this far, you kind of have the 1991 North Star syndrome where, wow, they got really hot. They were, You know, they're, they're really feeling it. They got stronger as they went along. Well, guess what? They're still the same team, you know? And you still should do what you're, you're supposed to do to them. That's Dajon Kovacovic. I'm Mark Madden.
1: It's time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX.
0: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Just
1: all kinds of loose women. Women in various states of moral decay. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. The X at 105.9. It's now time to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Chipino Restaurant Cigar Bar in the Strip. It's the best seafood and chop house in Pittsburgh. So be sure to check out Chapino in the Strip. Let's go to Jordan in the car. Jordan, ask Mark anything. Jordan, are you there? Yep. Hey, Double M. What are your favorite what?
0: burger toppings? Like, what are your what's your ideal burger?
1: You know, I don't eat as many burgers as you think, but uh, I, I probably, you, you, are you familiar with the kind of cheese called buffalo cheddar? Yes. Probably buffalo cheddar and mushrooms with ketchup or blue cheese and bacon. Well, either one is fine by me on a wheat bun i like the purgatory va- variety of uh of both those as a matter of fact let's go to blake in the car blake ask mark anything
0: hey mark i was wondering if i could uh sing the intro to voodoo by Godsmack for you
1: no let's go to chris in the car chris you're on with mark madden ask mark anything
0: mr madden good day
1: i said good day
0: So in the spirit of Gary Bettman, the Interthal Hockey League, and your background in WWE, what do you think Yeah, I can't hear you,
1: so we'll go with your background of getting a new cell phone and calling back in a couple years. Let's go to Alec in traffic. Alec, ask Mark anything.
0: What up, Double M? What up? I was just wondering, what's your opinion on Jinder Mahal as the new WWE champion?
1: Well, it's designed to break through to the audience in India. Because there's a lot of untapped revenue there. The the population of the country is $1.3 But I don't think it's going to work. I understand why they're doing it, but I don't think it's going to work. I don't think that that India particularly cares about WWE or if the WWE champion is Indian. So I get it. I mean, Alec, you tell me, are you excited when Randy Orton's champ? Because I think he's kind of, you know, middle of the road at this point in his career.
0: I thought it was a bad decision to have him win the Royal Rumble, to be honest.
1: Okay, but what's it hurt? Don't forget, this isn't based on storylines anymore. This isn't based on title changes anymore. It's based on the brand. Getting as much money as they can out of a a much smaller audience. So from that standpoint, I don't think it's going to hurt at all. And who knows, it just might help. Thank you for the call. Uh, Oh, by the way, a, a change in football announcers. Mike Tirico has replaced Al Michaels on Thursday Night Football. I will still not watch Thursday Night Football. In fact, I was more likely to do it without Michaels, but I just can't stand Mike Tirico. Let's go to Courtney outside PPG Paints Arena. Courtney, ask Mark anything.
0: Hey, sexy pants. After the way that we played on Monday, who do you think is going to score first
1: tonight? Uh, do you mean a player or a team? Either or. I think it's going to be Pittsburgh. I think Gensel's going to score again. Let's go to Paul in the car. Paul, ask Mark anything
0: big fan mark i just wanted to ask you i enjoy reading your your columns and i wanted to ask you if you've
1: ever considered if you've ever been approached about writing a book and if so what subject would that book be on i i, I wrote rick flair's autobiography i ghost wrote it i got credited as editor but i rewrote it because the guy who started it effed it all up uh, it's a lot of work bro uh, people some people wonder why i don't write an autobiography i can't believe anybody would be interested i just can't believe that and let's take one quick more uh ryan on route 28 ryan ask mark anything hey mark what's your favorite sports book
0: in vegas
1: oh i thought I was going to say my favorite sports book period i was going to say uh jim Bob ball four uh my favorite sports book in vegas boy i really like the one at mgm grand if you put me to one i like bally's as well mgm grand or bally's thank you for the call and you know what it's small but uh New York, New York has its charm. A guy from Pittsburgh works there. He's a good guy. Okay, now it's time for Subway Hockey Night. And you can still call, but hockey calls only. It's an extra hour of hockey talk for me, the super genius, and it will be the best hockey talk in town. It's Subway Hockey Night here on 105.9. The best Penguins playoff coverage, including all the
0: games. WXTX FM
1: Pittsburgh. This is Subway Hockey Night. The latest Penguins news, the best hockey talk, exclusively on your home of the Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins, 105.9 X. Here's your host, Mark Madden. It's game two at PPG Paints Arena tonight. The Penguins in Nashville in the Stanley Cup final. The Penguins won game one, and some would call it lucky, including me. But why ask why? You're up one game to none. You're going to play better tonight. I wonder if Nashville can play as well. This evening at PPG Paints Arena. And if the Penguins win tonight, it could be a short series. If Nashville wins tonight, it could be a long series. I believe Pittsburgh wins either way, but tonight is crucial. Let's not forget, Nashville has never been down in a series in these playoffs. They have won game one of every series and have won every series to date. Let's see if they know what to do if they're down two games to none. And in figuring that out, we'll find out they know what to do when they're down one game to zero. I'm Mark Madden. This is Subway Hockey Night. The show emanating live from Buford's on 5th Avenue. Stop on by on your way to the game. Stop by Subway. And if you do, grab me a tuna and tomato and jalapeno on wheat because I could really go for that right now. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. There's nothing like Stanley Cup Finals and there's nothing like the Penguins perhaps winning the cup for a fifth time in a second straight time the first time that will have happened since uh, 1998 with the Red Wings and the first time it will have happened in salary cap era I keep stressing people talk about the Predators being hungry the Penguins are hungry too hungry to make history and don't forget as so many seem to be making such a concentrated effort to do, don't forget the Penguins are the better team. Let's go to Chris and Cranberry. Chris, you're on Subway Hockey Night. Hey, Mark, I've got a question
0: regarding the expansion draft. Sure. Um, I was reading that we've got, we can protect either seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. Correct. But the, the caveat is that any players with two years of experience or less are, are exempt.
1: Two years of being under NHL contract or less are exempt. Oh, okay. Okay. So Gensel's exempt, keep... Sheary's exempt. Yeah, I was thinking Murray. We can
0: keep him exempt.
1: No, I and believe Murray's been under their... NHL contract for uh, more than two years. Okay. At any rate, uh, right now, Marc-Andre Fleury has to be protected because he has a no-movement clause, but I'm sure he'll be traded or some arrangement will be made uh, before the expansion draft. Thank you for the call, and... Uh, it should be noted a lot of deals are going to get made between now and that expansion draft. Case in point, I'm told the Blackhawks have already agreed to expose Trevor Van Reemsdyke the young defenseman, for Las Vegas to take. If Las Vegas also agrees to trade for Marcus Kruger, the forward, because the Blackhawks want to get Kruger's contract off the books. A lot of that kind of wheeling and dealing will go on in the days before the expansion draft. Let's go to Camden on Route 28. Camden, you're on Subway Hockey Night. Camden, you're on the air.
0: Hi, Mark. I was curious, uh, your thoughts on the recent uh, clutter about Kessel not performing well in the playoffs. There's an article written... Well, that was
1: one column in the Post-Gazette. I don't know if that's universally held. Uh, I think Cookie's a hell of a columnist, and that was well-written, as always. But Kessel has 19 points in 20 games. He's the number three scorer in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I don't think he had a great game Monday night, but I don't think a lot of Penguins had a great game Monday night. I don't think Phil took enough shots Monday night. I don't think any Penguins took enough shots Monday night, except for maybe Nick Bonino, and those weren't really shots. So uh, no problem with the column, but no problem with the way Phil has played in general throughout these playoffs. No problem at all. Hey, the formula's simple, and it's as old as being overweight. When and Dodd, pick on the fat guy. And Phil's not fat, but that's the urban legend. Let's go to Dave in the car. Dave, you're on Subway Hockey Night. Your opinion on new starting goalie determination for the Penguins. Steel cage match before the before Yeah, goodbye. The
0: game.
1: Goodbye. Let's go to Rob in White Oak. Rob, you're on Subway Hockey Night.
0: Um, is there any concern about the... Penguins uh PK we gave up two power play goals against the Predator. Yeah,
1: I'm a bit concerned. Uh it, it's weird because I thought even on those PKs the Penguins got some clears, but then, you know, Nashville made the most of the possessions they did get. So yeah, I think there's definitely concern. I think what the Penguins need to do is uh perform better on denying zone entry on the power play. I think Nashville got uh, too many easy and clean zone entries on the power play in game one on Monday. Let's go to Luke at Oakland. Luke, you're on Subway Hockey Night. I was, wondering, I was curious if you think
0: uh, Pecorino was hot in the first two series he played in this, uh, this playoffs. Now he's kind of coming off his hot streak as he goes through Anaheim and now us. I think no, Pe- Pecorini played
1: great earlier in these playoffs. Uh, you're right, he didn't play as outstanding against Anaheim as he had been playing in the playoffs, Luke. But... Uh, I just don't think Pecorine, uh can play against the Penguins. You look at his stats, it's a 10-game it's, you know, a, a, a sample now. He just don't play good against the Penguins. I don't expect him to start playing good against the Penguins. It would be one heck of a turnaround. It really would. And if the Penguins aren't in Rene's head, then he's dumb. Because he's played so bad so long. And again Monday night against the Penguins, if he ain't figured out that he sucks against Pittsburgh, he's dumb. In this case, being dumb would be the best thing for Pecorino. Up next, going to talk to Mike Rupp, Stanley Cup champion with New Jersey, former Penguin, and now with the NHL Network. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. This is Subway Hockey Night, the latest Penguins news, the best hockey talk, exclusively on your home of the Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins, 105.9 The X. Here's your host, Mark Madden. Hockey calls only four one two three 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 W X D X M Y from Bufords on Fifth Avenue. Uh, I can't help but watch the Pirate game, which had an hour and change rain delay, is now in the bottom of the thirteenth, tied five five, and obviously a lot of people at that game had tickets for this game, the Penguins in uh, Nashville, which starts eight o'clock tonight, just an hour and a half away. So uh, the stands are just about empty. I mean, there's a smattering of people there and it's necessary to note there weren't too many there in the first place, but uh, wow, it's weird to look at a ballpark that's that close to empty as PNC Park is right now. Jake Gensel. Boy, we've talked about him a lot since Monday. No goals in the entire Ottawa series and he didn't score in the last game of the Washington series either, but he got the game-winner uh, Monday night, the first Penguin shot on goal in 37 minutes and what a shot it was. I've watched that goal literally dozens of times and uh, I still think renee has got to have it if he's the guy for Nashville, which he is and if you've not faced a shot in 37 minutes, which he didn't that was still a heck of a shot that was an excellent release, he used Ryan Ellis as a screen Put the puck right between Rene's glove and his ear. That was a heck of a shot. So I'm not saying it's a bad goal because that diminishes the quality of Gensel's shot. But uh, boy, what an opportune play at a crucial time by Jake Gensel. We may look back at that goal and think accurately so that it decided the series and went a long way towards getting the Penguins the fifth Stanley Cup in franchise history. Not only that, but uh, Gensel is now a legitimate con Smythe candidate, to my mind. He leads the playoffs in goals with ten. He leads the playoffs in game-winning goals with four. And he's already set a rookie record for uh, game-winning goals by a rookie in these playoffs. Again, that number four. Let's go to Steve in Brighton Township. Steve, you're on Subway Hockey tonight. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Terrific.
0: Um, Good. I'd like the Predators tonight. I hope I'm wrong. I read an interesting stat that 75% of Game 2s in Stanley Cup Finals are are the under, so it would be five and a half goals, and I think a low-scoring game does favor the Predators, um, but I really hope I'm wrong on that.
1: You see, I I can't see why anybody would think the Predators would win tonight. I thought they brought everything they had on Monday and still lost to a Penguins team that played a C-minus game.
0: Right, and I mean, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't see how Renee can recover, it's just, I just you've seen so many weird uh, games, you know, come about. Uh, oh, no, Steve, now, Steve, that,
1: that's the weirdest part, because I can't see Renee snapping out of his uh, slump against the Penguins, his career-long slump against Pittsburgh, That's but true nor too. can I see him continuing to play that bad, because he is a quality goalie. Thank you for the call, Steve. Let's go to Chaz in Mount Pleasant. Chaz, you're on uh, Subway Hockey Night. Hey Mark, how's it going? Terrific wonder what your take is on the whole
0: catfish on the ice and the A-hole that threw it out there.
1: I think uh, my take was pretty evident when I barely talked about it. I think it's a non-issue. I think the, the idiot who did it was trying to indulge a, a playoff tradition in Nashville, which isn't really that well tested because they've only won three series in 18 years. That's prior to these playoffs. But I think arresting him and charging him with three counts was a little drastic too i think it made pittsburgh look bad i thought it made the cops and uh, i don't know who pressed charges ppg paints and the penguins i thought it made them look petty so the charges were dropped today and i'm just as glad and i've talked about it too much already but thank you for participating up next from DKPittsburghSports.com, sports.com is the constructor and the conductor days on kovacevic and then after that the penguins and predators Remember I said this, if the Penguins win it tonight, I think they will. For the Nashville Predators, first-timers in the Stanley Cup Finals, playing the defending champ with all that experience, excrement could roll downhill in a hurry. Going to talk to Dejon next. My name is Mark Madden. You're listening to 105.9 to X. This is Mark Madden for Window Nation. Everybody's got a smartphone. What if you could have a smart home? What if you could permanently reduce utility bills an increase